Hello, and welcome to the Future Christian Podcast, your source for insights and ideas into what it means to live as a follower of Jesus in the 21st century. At the Future Christian Podcast, we talk to pastors, authors, and other faith leaders for helpful advice and practical wisdom to help you and your community of faith walk boldly into the future. Here's your host, Lauren Richmond Jr. Hey, and thanks for listening in to the Future Christian Podcast. My name is Lauren Richmond Jr., and I am pleased to be joined by Pastor Terrell McTire. Hello. Hey, Lauren. Good to be here. Great. Thanks so much. Uh, appreciate your patience. I had a little tech screw up, so that's my fault, but appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to talk with me. So uh, trying to find your bio here, mixed all that craziness. So Pastor Terrell McTire serves as the Minister of New Church Strategies for the Christian Church Disciples of Christ in the U.S. and Canada. He works to equip, teach, assist, and multiply leaders and congregations throughout new church ministry to increase missional ooh, this is big, efficiency and efficacy towards starting sustainable, world-changing churches and making disciples. His mission is to equip leaders, to equip leaders, that's good. Uh, he's a writer, pastor, speaker, mentor, coach, and musician that lives by the mantra, it's a sin to be good when God has called you to be great. So he's got a lot more than that, but I'm uh, my voice is running out of steam here. So <laughs> Pastor Terrell, uh, what else would you like folks to know about you? Uh, I don't know. Like, that was pretty good. <laughs> Whoever wrote that was did a pretty good <laughs> synopsis of me. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, so I'll say this. The the diversity of my history that leads me to this place is pretty amazing. You know, so, like, I always get asked, like, was I born a disciple of Christ or anything? Like, I wasn't. You know, I chose this family. It made a lot of sense to me. Um, for me, growing up, I, I grew up until I left for college Baptist. And then after that, the church I went to was whichever one was going to give me a paycheck as a singer. <laughs> Love it. You know, so I, I didn't have any real denominational loyalty. But through that mm -hmm. journey, I began, began to, you know, like get a really good appreciation for a diversity in expressions and theology and mm -hmm. all these different things. And I really have the acumen to be able to hold all those different um, differences without necessarily ostracizing or celebrating one over the other is really it's the yeah. perfect way to be to be uh, a general minister for the disciples of christ <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so terrell and i both serve uh, uh we're both clergy in the what i mentioned the christian church disciple of christ a mainline protestant denomination and uh, terrell i have to ask you then like what's your favorite song to sing in church oh my god what's my favorite song to sing in church I don't. I should have told you. I don't know if I told you this trail, but half these, half of this is me just like asking random questions to people. Uh, so I should have given you forewarning. Oh, but no, it's okay because I am an experienced diverter. If I do not <laughs> know or want to say the answer, and this one I really don't have. I, I'm not really a big favorites guy. So if you ask me what's my favorite okay, anything, okay. yeah, it's kind of hard for me. Okay, fair enough. Uh, what is it? Well, you kind of said like, uh, but if you want to elaborate any more, like, what is it? What does your journey of faith look like? I guess. Okay, so like I said, grew up very young um, as one of those young people that did everything in the church, like you know, a junior deacon, sang in the choir, did all these different things, mm -hmm. and then 
went into um, college and I started working with the, the gospel choir that was there and started working with a local church there to do more um, formal music ministry. And then when I left college, because um, I didn't want to do that anymore, I went into another school and that's when I went to go be trained in opera. So I went to the University of Missouri, Kansas City Conservatory of Music to learn how to wow. do opera and did theater and music and all of that. And um, also recorded several gospel uh, albums and had this big old music thing that I was doing it. And while I was doing that, I also lost my job in my career and it launched me into um, my songwriting and it also launched me into marketing and event planning and things like that. So yeah. then I started these companies to help me with event planning and music management and all these different things. I was just hustling, trying to survive, you know, but ultimately it led to like, okay, I'm pretty good at this marketing thing. So then I went and got a marketing degree and, <laughs> um, and then, uh, I, I, and then I started getting more into, um, the, the pastorate type roles with churches and started my first, um, was a part of my first church plant. And let's see, I guess it's been about 12 years ago now. And now I've got like three or four churches under my belt. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. Folks don't think about this when I think about pastoring, but all that kind of hustle stuff you talked about, marketing and event planning, like that's half of this job, right? It is. And so it's the type of stuff they don't teach us in seminary, which is yeah. fine. The yeah. things that we learn in seminary are very important. But, <laughs> but we, you know, all this other life stuff, like how to, where, where was the class on teaching people how to deal with their marital issues? Like, yeah. you know, but that is so much a part of it. Where's the class to teach people how to be better parents or um, that? But so I learned all these things in unconventional ways, but my top strengths finder is that of a learner. So I can take a piece of information, absorb it and regurgitate it back like I I'm an expert and that has helped me. I'm also a three on the Enneagram. So that's helped me uh, quite a, quite a bit. Wait, what's a three again? Um, competitive achiever. Oh yeah, I can see that. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and we have this chameleonizing quality about us to just be able to, um, to, to make it work in any situation, but there's all these things that we didn't learn in seminary, but that's why I say I'm, I'm, I equip leaders to equip leaders, you know, so yeah. it's just really a part of paying that all forward. Yeah. Awesome. What's been a spiritual practice you've developed or might recommend to others? Um, alone time is, is really super important when you get to being like a doer you always have to do, 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 um, uh, one of the ch most challenging things to do is just be. So mm, yeah. as a as a pastor, now I'm not in a pulpit like you every Sunday or every week. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, this is the first time in my career that I've, I've been able to just do that. But as a, as a general minister, I'm all over the place mm -hmm. in different churches and visiting different churches when I was able to travel. Um, and so when I wasn't going to church, quote unquote, professionally, I would mm -hmm. be at a beach or be somewhere, you know, where I'm just being like, I'm having this spiritual connection with God that doesn't involve these religious practices. And that is very equalizing for me. I like that. Certainly precedent of that for, we see that Jesus doing that all the time. Right. Saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to get away, have some alone time. Absolutely. Especially in the uh, advent of some of his most stressful 
um, circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your work as a uh, minister for New Church Ministries in the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. And uh, first, I just want to hear, like, what's kind of like, why are you passionate about New Church? Where, what's, tell me more about that. Okay, so I, you know, I didn't ever grow up thinking about how church churches started. And mm-hmm. so it really wasn't a thought of me. I didn't even think about how businesses started. So when I started being an entrepreneur, it was just like a natural part of who I am. And then the same thing with church planting. It was just like natural for me. So then, but, and I've started so many things from the time I was a kid, I was always starting things. So then when it it came time in my last um, church plant, I said, God, I don't know why you're calling me to do this because it seems like I could just easily continue helping churches that are half empty or half effective. And mm-hmm. and I, I don't need to do that on my own. And, and and God began to show me the uniqueness of my vision and why it needed to happen and show me like, look, we need more churches. We could stand to have one on every single corner of America. So you're never going to not. And that kind of started birthing this um, this uh, this notion inside me of really trying to equip people to live into their abundant life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, John 10, 10 is really kind of the core of, of what I live by. And so helping yeah. people to recognize the enemy and then um, live into their abundance of life uh, really put me on that trajectory. OK, so I'm in my church. We are young. We are doing church. We're doing discipleship, everything. And for no reason, this job description came my way. I don't even remember <laughs> applying for this position. Wow. I, I guess I did. I must have, you know. And so then when they called me, say, hey, we'd like to interview you. We're from Indianapolis and everything. I, I went through a couple of interviews and then I said no. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't want to I didn't want to move to Indianapolis. And yeah. I thought to myself, surely there are hundreds of guys out there more qualified and standing in line for this position than me, this lowly old critical, judgmental church planter, very disruptive guy in all these different things. Nevertheless. They, they, they called me back and they said, look, we want you to reconsider, fly to Indianapolis, wow. bring your wife, fly to Indianapolis and let us, you know, spend some time with you. So I did it. They bought me a nice dinner. It was great. And I said, OK, let's let's make this big sacrifice. Moved my wife and four children out. Yeah, that's no joke. No, for real. You know, to, yeah. to move them all the way out there. We don't know anybody. And, and um, that was very um, bold. Nevertheless. I am so grateful for where I am. I have never done anything in my life that pulled together all of my skills, all of my experiences, all the things that I've worked for, all the things that I've studied more appropriately than this, what I do right now in helping people discern and be equipped for their calling towards starting new churches. Wow, that's great. Uh, so I got to ask you like a loaded question here, Terrell. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I just had uh, in season two, uh, I, I always forget how to say his name, uh, Dr. Dwight Shiley. He's a professor of innovation or director of innovation at Luther Seminary. And I asked him almost the same question. What are the challenges of being innovative in a mainline Protestant denomination? Okay, so... I don't know if it's any different in the evangelical circles or uh-huh. the non-associated circles, but yeah. innovation is challenging across the board because it is, because um, for one, sometimes it threatens people's 
yeah. resistance to change. Mm -hmm. They don't like to change, but change is so right. necessary. Yeah. So that that change and then church planting and, and entrepreneurship and innovation requires a certain type of risk. So mm -hmm. they don't want to fail. And I get not nope. wanting to fail, you yeah. know, so there, there's that part of it. It, you know, and there are just people who are who have a larger acrimen towards being adaptive, which says I can make something better. And then there's those of us who's, who are lean towards innovation, which says I can make something new. Then there's people in the middle who says something is only better if it's new or only new things are better. And I'm kind of one of those persons in the middle that have that 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 mindset that it's I'm, I'm not going to do the indoor thing. I don't d dwell well at those yeah. ends of the yeah. polars. I say it's it is in the it's both. I think that we can make it better and we could we need to make the new better than the last new that there was and all those types mm -hmm. of things. So innovation is hard because it disrupts the system, it disrupts disrupts the cycle and people do do not like that. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're a disruptor though, right? You'd claim that title? I do. Yeah, yeah. You uh I just uh Speaking of like event management and juggling multiple balls this summer, we're recording this in November, but this summer, uh, you hopefully you still have it recorded somewhere. Uh, Terrell managed this super webinar of, you know, I can only imagine the amount of technological juggling that it would happen uh, with Mark DeMaze, who wrote a book on disruption. That's what brings to, you brought to mind there. But uh, speaking of juggling and event management, right? Dude, that was the craziest event ever. I would love to tell you that I had this amazing tech team around me to help support me <laughs> <laughs> or, or that, you know, I had all this experience in how to do this. So I hope it, I made it look seamless. But when I tell you I was up the night before still trying to say, how am I going to pull this off the next day? You yeah. know, um, because we wanted to have these breakout rooms. Oh, that's what it was. We wanted to have an unconference and Zoom did, was not equipped to really do unconferences the way that, you know, yeah. we wanted them to, to really do it. So we had to pull together all these different solutions in a very quick time and um, we made it well. The same, this, and then a month later, we had Leadership Academy. You've been to Leadership Academy, right? Yep. Yes. In person though, not online. The, oh, right. Okay. So this year we did it online. Yeah. And so this is the first year we had to do it all online. And it would be this year that we had the most differences in language to participate. Mm. So we, wow. we had, you know, normally we prepare for English and we prepare for Spanish. And this year we had a, a, a large group of Korean speaking humans, wow. and then also some that were Chiquis. So we had to pull in all the technologies and uh, and everything yeah. together to uh, to do that. But it was great. It was a, a awesome experience. Well, that's some innovation right there. Uh, so this kind of relates to the next question is a struggle that happens for many mainline churches. And I imagine with COVID, it's going to be a struggle that many non-denom and evangelical churches are going to have to start facing is how do you work with less resources and this is something I know that you have to deal with constantly in your travels, working with different regions and different churches in different regions. Uh, what are the things that you do and, and talk about kind of strategies for thinking creatively outside the box with doing more with less, if that makes sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that if you start with um, a lean um, mentality, then it, it'll help you all together. So there are some... Um, 
there are some practices that you can specifically do to actually work leanness into what you are. Specifically within church planting, there is a large movement of, you know, mega church. Everyone wanted a yep. mega church. Then we went to yep. the trend of um, multi-sites. And so it was yep. all about multiplying, like I'm going to open a, a wing over here and a wing over there and just, yep. you know, this franchise top way of doing church. Well, yeah. now we have gone where and the sizes keep going smaller and smaller and smaller with this. Now it's even smaller mm -hmm. into the micro church movement. And what I yep. love about micro churches is that it is to me getting closer to what was taking place in the first century of the church. So yeah. what, and, and so this micro church thing has been here for a while, which basically says, um, we probably won't be any more than 30, 35 people. You know, we, mm -hmm. we were very agile. We, we, you know, we don't require a lot of resources, so we probably won't have a full-time paid pastor. You know, we, mm -hmm. we meet in these unfounded places and we are pretty flexible. Um, but what COVID-19 has done and the onset of this, this, um, pandemic is yeah. taking us even smaller yeah. and even closer to the first century, which is home churches. And I know when you think about first century home churches, it's a bunch of people coming into one home and we're doing right. it differently. Now we're doing it digitally. I believe when yeah. Jesus said, greater things will you do, Jesus knew there'd be technology that we'd be able to <laughs> use to spread the gospel, yeah. you know, to be able to do it. So we're able to be in each other's homes and actually do ministry from home, which is even more financially sustainable. And um, people are still having issues with, you know, being able to touch others and do these very human right. things that right. are necessary uh, to be effective hands and feet of God. But really working into the system, this um, notion of, st of stability and and being able to uh, be um, agile is so important when you're creating a lean model. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned COVID in there. What do you think about how uh, I've listened to some evangelical podcasts talking about even church planting during COVID? What are your thoughts on like how how COVID will affect church planting in general? Um, yeah, what what are your thoughts? Well, it has already had um, a great deal of effect. One of the biggest things I've seen happen is that churches are launching faster because they're not waiting on this big, huge attractional event where they, you know, have to draw in all these people and we need a team of 38 and we, you know, we're not successful if 200 people don't show up because all of that is not there. They're like, hey, I'm going to be online. I can be online right now. You know, so they are mm -hmm. launching a lot quicker than they ever have before. They also, um, one of the other biggest things is that boundaries are not as important as they once were. For instance, our denomination is divided by regions yeah. that sometimes are states. A lot of denominations do they have regions or districts or senates or presbyteries or whatever they want to call them. And so yep. now is not as important to be within one geographical boundary because you are mm -hmm. just as likely to be ministering with or having someone in your virtual congregation who is all the way in Zimbabwe. You know, so you don't have to worry about, you know, so those those geographical divides, um, you do have to think about culture differently. You have to think about 
um, inclusivity differently mm -hmm. and all those different things. Um, but now is a great chance to actually put to the test if we are going to be a disciple making factory or not. Like here it is. You are you're relieved of yeah. all the other burdensomes. Now, are you really able to focus on this going and this making that it, we are called to do in the Great Commission? Let me ask you a follow up question on that. Um, I think I mentioned this to you offline, like I'm working on a, a MBA in nonprofit management. And right now we're talking about mission and vision in this class I'm taking. And I wonder, like the idea of like mission creep uh, certainly something nonprofits talk about. I don't know how often churches talk about it. And I wonder, like, you mentioned, like, getting down to the basics of what we're about, like making disciples. Do you think, how often do you think that happens for new or established churches where we just try to spread ourselves too thin and do too much? And do you think in some ways, like, this COVID is, a, is an opportunity to simplify? Okay, so when this first broke, and I have yeah. pastors who would call me and say, hey, you know, we don't know what we're going to do. Um, I, I would always give a very shocking response. And I would say, quit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I say, I would just tell them, just quit. Uh -huh. And they say, no, 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 we, we can't quit. I'm like, well, why not? Well, because I need to do this. And this uh -huh. happens. And we have to continue to do this. I said, okay. Tell me the three most essential things that you yeah. absolutely have to do. Yeah. And they would think for a minute and they would say what those three most essential things are. And I said, well, that's mm -hmm. all you really need to do right now. Forget right. trying to buy a bunch of cameras and do this big production. Forget trying to figure out how to um, embold these people who have had positions but lost effectiveness years ago. You know, mm -hmm. forget all of that. The stuff that really didn't matter and focus on the essentials. And so that's what is the gift of this, if we can just focus on the essentials. Now, we will be in a sin posture if as soon as the country opens back up and we are able to do whatever we, or go back to what we perceived as normal before, we just go back to some of that waste again. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it will be like the Bible says, where you are eating your own vomit. Whoa. Pastor Trail preaching here. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we don't want to. We don't want to do that. That's gross. That's nonsensical. Yeah. You know, we. So we don't go back to those old, you know, things. This is an opportunity to be something completely new. This isn't a time for transition. This is a time for transformation. So how okay. will you completely evolve into a, a new character? So transition says, I'm going to move these chairs around in this room for some yeah. better purposes. Transformation says, oh, you call that a chair, but I actually think we could use it as something else. And why couldn't we use this as a chair? You know, it's like yeah. finding different ways to do things, um, to have um, old functions, but in a new way. Yeah, I think we're really seeing that with like online worship because, you know, we've been in this eight months as, as we're recording this. Like originally it was kind of like, just, just, just do everything you did on Sunday mornings and film it. Right. And I know I was just talking about with this, with my team is like, how do we, you know, we've been thinking so creatively about, uh, about creating content in a way that it will engage with people and even continuing, how can we, how can we make the, the content 
because that's what it is. I mean, you, you talk about being a performer. How can we create content that people will find engaging and transformational, like you said? Oh, yeah, that's the wrong question, because if people wanted just content, they could have already tapped into the very best preachers, people who could preach us under the table, people who could sing so much better than me. If they just wanted to tap into some great content, they're all out there. They already have been before this pandemic, you know, so I don't really think that is. Uh, what we need to be doing. So a lot of failure is taking place because they think they need to all of a sudden just become uh, tech gurus. Oh, okay. Our children um, are doing virtual learning right now. And when this all first began at the beginning of the school year, a few months ago, then I noticed that they gave us the option for either hybrid or virtual learning. Well, Uh because of this, the virtual learners got a new principal, a virtual principal. And then there was this in-person principal. Okay. So I'm like, oh my goodness, they had two principals rather than making the principal um, oversee this virtual environment. They got someone who understood that could do that well. And this is Mm -hmm. the opportunity for a different type of teaming that we need to do in church world. Don't go and try to become the expert of this. Don't be the expert in this virtual space. Get you a team member, a, you know, who can be there with you that understands that. And now you have a virtual pastor. So before um, the most important roles or number two positions was that of the children's leader and that of the music leader, right? That's not the case today. Now that virtual director, that person who can help you with the technology piece of that, because when yeah. things change, they're not going to you, you can't ever forget and leave behind this virtual audience that you've built now. Yes. You will yes. still need to consider them and mm-hmm. care for them. And you do that through the means of digital discipleship and electronic yeah. evangelism. What if, what are some things that you've seen uh, for for both those digital discipleship? Let's start with that, that uh, you'd you'd find you found and recommend okay so with discipleship what we're talking i'm asking for myself here <laughs> huh i'm asking for myself here <laughs> oh yeah no 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 problem <laughs> um okay so with discipleship we're talking about what helping people become students and followers and yep. ideally even apprentice of, of, of jesus christ yeah. okay yeah. so how do we do that in a digital platform first of all you we must consider communication channels, okay? So before we made the people who showed up the most important participant of our ministry, we called them the the members. If you show up on Sunday, you're the member. And and so the problem with that is that we've always had additional participants who were not able to show up. We called them the sick and the (laughs) shut-in. And and so we found ways to minister to them. And now all of us are sick and shut-in. And we all are having to um, do this thing where we are connecting beyond just that in-person expression. Right now you go to church in person, you're going to get, you could get sick. I don't advise it. Right. You know, so, um, so we have to make those type of transitions. So when you think about how do we create students, how do we create followers of Christ, um, 
there's two different classes here that we think of those who are already Christian and we're just helping them to matriculate from being a disciple into being an apostle and the others who are who have never known Christ and so we are bringing them into that but we have to gauge their receptivity to the gospel because they could reject it or not ever have heard of it and we have to consider their communication channels which means is it better for me to communicate with you by in person through text message through Facebook whatever it is so in this idea of digital discipleship we got to find the right way to communicate the right communication channel for the context of the individual that you're attempting to bring into a discipleship relationship and remaining in their particular digital communication channel so for instance now Facebook isn't just for your friends and your family you might have to actually accept the friendship of someone that you don't know and who may not be like you so that you can get to know them and exchange with them and dm them and come into relationship with them in a digital space please do not for one moment think this is not possible because today we are meeting our wives our spouses our jobs everything through apps yep so if we can do everything we can do anything else through an app we most certainly can have effective evangelism and discipleship practices and um, opportunities through apps and in digital spaces yeah yeah absolutely got to be thinking outside the box like that i love it um all right so i want to i want to give you uh i'm gonna like i'm gonna set a ball on a t for you here Terrell, uh because we're on the same team and i want you to knock one out of the park here <laughs> So I want you to sell our listeners. Uh, we're going to sell our listeners on the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. We have some folks listening here who are from ma other mainline denominations, some who may be evangelical, post-evangelical. Like I know you and I are about growing churches and growing. We believe in this work that we're doing in the, in the DOC. So uh, get, I know you have a good pitch. I want to hear it. Well, it's a hard thing to sell for only one reason in this okay. platform because I don't usually sell it outside of relationship. It's the same thing with Jesus. I don't usually sell Christ outside of relationship. No more than I would stand on the corner and invite, invite people into relationship with Jesus blindly without first understanding them, getting to know them, coming into relationship with them. The same is true with an invitation into the family of the Christian Church Disciples of Christ. So through relationship, I understand more about what assets they are, what needs they have, what, you know, who they are as a person, what their um, aspirations are, what the vision is for their ministry, what their spiritual vocation is. And then through all of that, I can pretty much see or assess if they uh, would find um, comfort and consolation within our family. So I don't really know if I'm going to be able to hit that out of the park the way you want me to and give all these amazing things about the disciples of Christ, because what's amazing to me may not be amazing to another person. And that's what's most important, that we make the proper pairings. Um, and that would be only done within relationship. I chose the disciples of Christ because I have never met more accepting people. I've never been with a, a more diverse-minded group of family members. I've never mm -hmm. met more progressive people. And when I say progressive, I don't mean that in relationship to conservative or, or evangelical. I don't mean it that way. I mean, people are really trying to move. I, I'm, not yeah. a, I'm not a sit still type of guy. <laughs> <laughs>
we got to we got things to do. We got to keep going. We got work to do. Let's go. Yeah. So I need to be around people who are working. You have the word mission positioned behind you. You know what I mean? So yep. that that is very much a part of who who you are. Like, no, that means this is an active thing. I need to be with people who are active lovers, who are active mm-hmm. equippers, who are active followers of Christ, who are actors of active, you know, active in all of these different things. And that is the Christian Church Disciple of Christ. Like we are uh, on the move. Matter of fact, one of the things we love to say about ourselves is that we are a movement for wholeness yeah. in a fragmented yeah. world. Well, I think that was pretty good, Terrell. So I think that was pretty good. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and but Lauren, you know, I would love for some of your listeners, if you think, if you're thinking about, you know, is this family for me or you like to explore it and just even give that, I would love to have them reach out to me. Can I give my email and phone number? Absolutely. I mean, I used to do that. I used to do that end, but no, this is the time. Right. Do now. it now. Do it now. <laughs> right now. 317-593-5323. Text me and I would yeah. love to, don't, don't call me because I don't very real. I answer my phone for Lauren, but uh, you know. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But I always text you back. And so. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. Shoot me a text and I would love to have a conversation with you about not only joining, but just like, what can we do together to make life better yeah. for humanity? Whatever denomination or whatever network you're a part of like i'm i'm very ecumenistic in my mindset like all of those things don't matter to me as much as our focus on jesus christ yeah you just heard terrell he wants to work with you not tell you what to do so yeah that's another um major thing about the disciples that we have this kind of um a covenantal relationship where it's not a hierarchical type of thing where I'm a bishop and I tell Lauren what to do with his church. I don't do that. Like out of my relationship with Lauren, out of my relationship with you and in the way that we function together in ministry, we like have a mutual respect and we learn from each other. And, and, and that is to me more effective than if I lord it over what you are supposed to do with your church. Yeah. Well, uh, let's take a break and we'll come back with some closing questions and we'll let you give your email one more time at the end. (laughs) Sounds good. It's not like we haven't all said it enough lately. These are unprecedented times. COVID-19 has upended the way we do life, community, and church. As church leaders, we find ourselves disoriented. Outreach, connection, cultivating a sense of team among church staff and creatives, nothing works like it did before. Torn Curtain Arts gets it, and we're here to help. We strengthen the creative soul of churches. It's why we exist. And in these times, we have dedicated ourselves to helping churches set up live streaming solutions and assisting with live events. We also provide coaching for worship leaders as well as substitute worship leading for both in-person and online events. Contact us at torncurtainarts.org and let's chat about how we can keep you connected to your creativity in this season and grow your community. All right, we're back with Pastor Terrell McTire. And uh, Terrell, you can take these closing questions as seriously or not as you'd like to. Uh, But if you're Pope for a day, what does that day look like? What do you want to do? Oh my God, if I hope for a day, one thing for certain, I would not wear that outfit. No. <laughs> I don't know if that comes with the with the uh, job description. 
Um, folks, uh, folks don't know this about Terrell, and this is not a video podcast, but Terrell dresses very well. So I can only imagine how well Terrell would be dressed as Pope. And Terrell, without budget, man, you could do some work with that budget. I could definitely um, wreck some stuff up. I might still yeah. keep the hat, though. That hat is pretty, pretty dope. So He's wearing a hat right now. Uh, it's dope, but it's not as dope as the Pope. Not hat, as right? dope as the Pope's hat, but if I get to be Pope for a day, I'm still rocking the hat, and I'm gonna get yeah. some other way to be completely G'd as the Pope. Um, number two thing I would do is probably. <laughs> it's funny that the first thing I think about is what I'm gonna wear, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the the number two thing is like I would probably make love all day, and let me make let me make sure you understand what I mean by this. Okay. Yes. Please do. Because <laughs> it's not very traditional for this Catholic Pope to make, um, to have sex. So I'm not talking about having sex. I'm talking about doing some some real love work. Our first commandment was to, to what? Love God. Love. Love one another. You know, love one another as yourself. You know. So we're supposed to do this thing. So I think that's what really we're supposed to do. And that's what's so amazing about the current Pope. Like he exemplifies his love. I would make sure there is the biggest tech team around me walking with me, watching this all the time, not to put me on a pedestal, but to be as an example of the way I think that these relationships can go. This is not about administration and and, and these types of things. This is about actually demonstrating. Okay, so this in this shift of life is a movement from proclamation into demonstration. So that's what I yeah. want to be able to do is, um, is do the demonstration of God's love all day long, just hugging people and kissing people and giving away everything that I possibly can and making connections and new relationships and just love, love, love. You get love. You get love. Everybody gets love. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, what, uh, what theologian or historical Christian figure would you want to meet or bring back to life? Oh, I'm so upset sometimes that Miles Monroe died. I don't know if you know who he is. I don't know. Oh, God, his teachings were just so amazing. He died in a plane crash with his wife. Um, I can't remember how long ago this was, but just some of the ways in which he thought. He was from the Bahamas, and his mentality about um, just kingdom mindset, um, I think some people would find him very kind of like paternalistic and, and some of his practices are very conservative. But other than that, just like this guy's words uh, were so apostolistic, like they would just establish and uproot old mindsets and make you think about things so differently than you ever had before. And he was a shrewd, um, effective business person. And I don't mean because of all the books he wrote wrote i mean just because of his ability to think about the economics and and um the community and all these things in the way that he talked about uh what he would do theologically so this guy is the truth like look him up i love him awesome how do you spell his first name miles oh miles i misheard that miles monroe yes and his monroe is i think m-u-n-r-o-e Okay, okay, cool. Um, what do you think Kisser will remember from this current time and place? Kids will remember? History, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, my, my son's going to remember not being able to go to prom. Yeah. Um, my son's going to remember the very awkward social distancing graduation we had. 
they're going to remember the time that they got to be on spring slash summer break for six months. Yeah. They're going to remember how difficult it was to transition in. Um, and then they're going to just become normalized with this whole idea of wearing masks and not being able to engage each other the way they have before. They're going to remember some of the lunacy of our government. They're going to remember um, what it's like to be so uh, paral- uh, paralyzed by the issues of race, you know, mm-hmm. because until now, um, there had not been an opportunity for young people to understand racism the same way our forefathers did. They didn't under, they didn't have an opportunity yeah. and now they're being able to see the damages of racism because really for a great part of their childhood, they didn't have to think about race. Um, it was hidden yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Now we're seeing these kind of divides. So there's a lot of good and a lot of bad that they will remember um, out of this, out of these years. Cool. Uh, last question I'm going to ask you, and and you can answer. I'll give you the choice because I know we talked about what do you think the future of Christianity will look like, you know, in 500 years. But I also ask often people like, what do you hope for Christianity? So respond to either of those questions. What's meaningful to you? Okay, so the first thing I think about with this question is what did Christianity look like 500 years ago? And you're 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 kind of asking this question at a convenient time where we are, yeah. uh, you know, in that Reformation period. Um, yep. And so now, if we think about that again, if all these things are cyclical, then we'll be going through another major Reformation. Um, the reality is, is that Christianity is confined within humanity. So the real question is, what will humanity look like 500 years from now? Yep. And and how will we how will Christianity respond to the the frailties of humanity in 500 years? And where there will be technology, the way we use it and think of technology that is not something we can even imagine in 500 years. I mean, like it's what we're doing right now. This this conference and the way we're doing it's yep. going to seem so primitive 500 yep. years from now. You know, yeah. so yeah. It, it is is it is. But there there's the limitations of humanity that have to be considered. And as long as there's those limitations, then we are going to depend on um, the progressiveness of humanity, but not only the progressiveness of humanity, the frailties of humanity. So what will Christianity look like? It will be progressive, but it will also be very fragile. It'll be also very frail. Um, I think it will look a lot less like Christ. I think that we look a lot less like Christ than they did 500 years ago and then before that when they were first with Christ. So it's kind of just watering down, watering down. In 500 years, it'll look less like Christ if we want to define Christianity as Christ-like. So in that Christ-likeness, then there is um, going to be, um, then, then we're going to be ruined by the preparation are we going to enter into a stage of ruinness? So I think right before that reformation, there's going to be something that necessitates it. And that will be the ruins of society, which will provide the opportunity for Christianity and those who are still following Christ to rise up. And so from that, I can see a lot of beauty, but it's just going to be very, very, very different looking um, than it is now. I also can see 
um, us planting churches on in outer space. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's that's one of my my personal visions. I actually like I want to be a part of that church planting team and start a church on on the moon or on Mars or wherever that may be. So whenever they start thinking, who can we get to go out here and do this whole church planting initiative? You better believe my hand is going to be raised. We're gonna to to get some get some cryogenics for a trail. Worst case scenario too. Yeah, hey, that, that'll work. <laughs> <laughs> Put you on ice so we can bring you back for that if it takes a while. Well, Terrell, th- thank you so much for your time today. Uh, tell folks where they can find out more about you and your work. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, we, we have this great um, – we have not yet entered into the podcast space. Uh, podcast space. We're going to be doing that hopefully next year. But I have a webinar series called New Church Hacks. And you can see all of those webinar episodes um, at newchurchhacks.com. Um, also on um, the New Church Ministry website, that's newchurchministry.org. Uh, we are on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, any one of those. Or if you want to get at me personally, then that's Terrell L. McTire on all of the social media outlets. Awesome. Well, thanks again for your time, Terrell. Really appreciate it. And uh, may God's peace be with you. Thank you, Lauren. Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. But hey, before you go, do us a favor. Subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people. Thanks, and go in peace.